Well, at this time of the year, I uh, can't help but think of the people who must have been or would have been involved with uh, the birth of Jesus Christ, our Savior. And uh, as I think of that, I think about the person that is center stage through much of that, not just his birth, but his life, uh, who would have been there and followed him and watched all of the things that would have been going on, and that's his mother Mary. And so this morning my message is going to be centered upon her uh, view as she was uh, living her life and interacting uh, with God through the angel and then with God the Son as she raised him. Uh, So would you join me in a word of prayer as we prepare our hearts Lord God, I thank you for this morning, and I thank you for your word, for this season where we can celebrate the birth of a Savior, far beyond our ability to even imagine that you would love us that much. But God, we are eternally grateful. We ask now, Lord, that as we look at your word, that you would illuminate truth to us, that we can not just read the words, but we can take and apply in our lives, and maybe even share with somebody else. Uh, through this day and in this coming week. Lord, we love you. Help us to live our lives demonstrating that in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So as we think of uh, Jesus' mother, Mary, uh, I want us to be mindful of the fact that uh, she was not a uh, necessarily a perfect person. She was a young lady and uh, grew up like all of us have in a normal, regular home. But God chose her, and we're going to look at some of the things that were involved with that. So I want to look at the whole of Jesus' life from kind of from her perspective, uh, if you were. So I would like you, if you would, if you would turn to Luke chapter 1. We're going to begin in verse 26, and if you don't have your Bible, there's a chair Bible in front of you there, and it'll be found on page uh, 1016, uh, 1016 in the Bible in front of you. So Luke chapter 1, and uh, beginning in verse 26. In the sixth month, this is the sixth month of her cousin Mary's, uh, uh, I mean, of Elizabeth's uh, pregnancy. The angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. In his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be? since I am a virgin. And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. 
And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Can you get your mind around that thought even? That here is this young girl who was just going on in her life. And an angel of God appears to her. And the message that he brings to her, what he comes to talk to her about, is the fact that she is going to become pregnant and she is going to bear a son who is God. Now, now to me, if, if an angel came in here right now, we would all be kind of like, right? I mean, can you imagine? And, and then the angel starts to say, and I have an assignment for you. I have something I want you to do. And I think that Mary would have been overwrought with fear. And I think all of us would. If we had a face-to-face confrontation with an angel of God. Overwrought, for those who don't know, means extremely or excessively excited or agitated. It's a pretty overwhelming thought, really, to think about. Mary was a virgin. She was betrothed to Joseph. They weren't married. They weren't together. They had not been together. And she knows that this confrontation with this angel is going to be something amazing. Probably something that she would never have imagined. I want to give you just an an example, if I could, of what that might be like. And I, I have not prepared anybody for this, but everybody here, female, who is between the age of 13 and 15. So if you're 13, 14, or 15, I'd like you to stand, please. Any female in this room, and wait a minute, why are you hesitating to stand up? Okay, now what I want each and every one of you to do is come up in the front here, and I want you to come up and preach the message this morning. It's a simple assignment. I just want you to come up and talk about God and the things that God is doing in your life. And of course, Olivia's all ready, and she's ready to run down, and her parents are holding her back. But is that a real hard assignment? No, you're right. <laughs> I, love, I love when we have participation. But I think you can see my point here. That's really, uh, you know, trying to be a little humorous, but at the same time, it's something that you could be asked to do, but it would have been pretty intimidating, pretty difficult to do. Now, think about that, those girls that were just standing up here, being asked by an angel, being confronted by an angel to bear the Son of God. And you can imagine how difficult that would have been for them. How overwhelmingly scary that would have been. And they would have been filled with fear. But you see, this is a fulfillment of an Old Testament prophecy. In the Old Testament, it had been prophesied that a virgin would be with child. And, and I'm sure that, that even the writer of that would have probably wondered, how in the world can this be? 
And you and I look at that and we read it and it's easy for us to say, oh yeah, I've read that a million times so I understand. We can understand what the words say. But do you understand how amazing that is, that a virgin would be with child? But not just a child, God's child. That that this young girl, 13 to 15 years of age, would bear God's child. And, and as I say, you know, sometimes, and you hear me say this often, but I, but I find myself doing this sometimes, and I have to slow down and really try to grasp, what is this talking about? These aren't just words that God wants us to read when he gives it to us in the Bible, but he wants us to understand what is involved. And what's involved here is an overwrought young girl being asked to do something that is way, way beyond her ability to understand. And so isn't it natural that when we read that, we read that she says, how will this be? You're, you're, you're telling me that I'm going to bear God's child, but how? I'm a virgin. That, that doesn't compute. That doesn't work. I, I don't understand. And again, she's just a young girl, and, and, and you can imagine the fear that she's feeling and, and the natural response. So when the angel says to her, fear not, my response whenever I read that is my first thought is, yeah, right. And the second thought is, how is that going to happen? Right? I mean, and, and so here she is. She's a young girl. And she's being told this by an angel of God that this is going to happen. And, and she's struggling through that. And she says, how? I'm a virgin. That doesn't make sense to me, God. That doesn't compute. It doesn't, it doesn't work. I don't understand. And then the angel tells her, who this child is going to be. He's going to be the son of the Most High God. And he will be called Holy, the Son of God. Wow, and you want me to raise him? (laughs) You want me to be his mother? I don't understand how that's going to work either. This This is a huge thing. And at this time of the year, you know, we, we celebrate and we, we have, you know, the, the displays and sometimes we have the kids come up and do, do some things and we can lose sight of the amazing thing that is happening here. God, Jehovah, who created the heaven and the earth, is asking a young virgin to bear his child. Now, she also realizes that she could be rejected by Joseph. They were engaged, uh, and as, if, if we had the time, we would go and read it, but, but when the angel comes, Joseph had in mind to divorce her, was, is, was the term that they used, because there was a contract, an agreement there, and he was going to, to nullify that agreement. He was going to, to set it aside. That was his initial thought when he finds out that she's pregnant. But an angel says, wait, 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 don't, don't do that. That child is God's. And Joseph says, okay, I'll do it. 
I won't divorce her. I will be that child's father. We're going to talk tonight, if, you're, if you come back, I'm going to give a perspective of this from Joseph's vantage point. And you'll see the kind of man that he is, and so I'm not going to dwell a lot on that right now, but, but even that is pretty amazing. But did you pick up verse 38? If you, if you have your Bible still open, take a look there. Verse 38. Mary, overwrought with fear, wondering what is this all about? How is this going to happen? Why me? I don't understand her response. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Essentially, what does that say? It says, okay, God, I, I don't, angel, I don't understand all of this. I don't, know, I don't know what's going on here. But, all right, let's do it. Right? I mean, isn't that what she's saying? I, I'll do it. Now, she knows that she could be rejected by her fiancé, her family. I mean, she could have been abused. All kinds of terrible things could have happened to her as a result of her willingness to submit to God's desire for her. When you think of Mary, do you think of those things? I know I don't always do that. Turn with me uh, right near where you are there. We're going to look at um, chapter 2. And we're, just, we're going to skip over some of it. We're just going to skip down to verse 7. Verse 7. It says, And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Those of you who had, have had children, you know that when a child is born, you are overflowing with joy. There's great joy that fills your heart at the birth of a son or a daughter, a child. And in this case, I'm sure that that Joseph and Mary probably still had a lot of questions, still wondering a lot about what's going on, wondering about how can we raise God's son and all of those kinds of things. But, but their hearts would have been filled with joy because here is this beautiful child, this baby, that's been given to them. And so as they're together there and you know, we, we have a lot of debates and, and discussions about where exactly this took place, where was the baby born, and all of those kinds of things. Those things are side issues to me. We can have fun having conversations about those things. I just had the conversation a couple of weeks ago with somebody, you know, and it, those, those are really kind of side issues. The where, it's the what that's really important, isn't it? The what is... God's Son came in human flesh, was born to a virgin, and a fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy, and a wonderful, wonderful gift to those of us 
who are sinners. When they delivered baby Jesus, it was a wonderful opportunity to be filled with the joy of, of the Lord. So they would have been excited and filled with, with uh, joy. And then, if you're still in uh, Luke chapter 2, uh, we're going to read uh, a little bit about what happened with the shepherds. You see, when the baby was there, some shepherds were approached by angels. Verse 8 in chapter 2 of Luke. In the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. Uh, Again, an angel comes and there's that fear and you can understand it and you see it again here. It's overwhelming to imagine. And the angel said to them, Fear not, behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. For you, uh, I'm sorry, a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swathing cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angel, when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. And it had been told them, as it had been told them. At the uh, end uh, of the eight days when the circumcision, uh, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Again, you imagine you're out in a field. It's dark. You're out there with sheep, and maybe you're close enough that you can have conversations. I don't, don't know what it was all like, but an angel comes and starts to talk to you. And again, that, wow, what's going on here? But the angel this time is bringing a report that the child has already been born. And you can enjoy that as well. And the angels go there and they they see the baby just exactly as it had been told them. And then I want to keep going just a little bit further here. Verse 22. And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. In other words, basically they're, they're dedicating him to the service of the Lord or dedicating him, giving him over to the Lord to, to, uh, for the Lord to use and to, to uh, bless. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. That tells us they didn't have a lot of money because that's what they were offering. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. 
And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see sorry, death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. In other words, He's being freed to leave because he has seen what had been promised. Okay, again, this is one of those places. Slow down and read it. Understand what he's trying to say here. They knew, he knew that he was not going to depart this earth until he had seen the Messiah, the promised one. And that's what he's saying here. Now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light of revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And the father and mother marveled at this. And you can imagine that by this time they're probably pretty overwhelmed with amazement at what they've been hearing from the, the shepherds, from the angel, and now from this man who is telling them about what is going to happen. And his father and his mother marvel at this, at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also so that thoughts from many hearts will be revealed. There was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years, and when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84 years old, she did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up, to, coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak to him, to all of him, I'm sorry, to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Again, don't read over something. Slow down. What is it? She has been waiting for the one who would redeem Jerusalem. He is here. He is in their presence. All of these things that have been prophesied were coming true. So the message of who Jesus was is being confirmed by these people. He got, God sends prophecy to Jesus' mother and father. And, and, and you would think, oh boy, they'd be, you know, th- th- this is great stuff, but you can read these prophecies and it's not a very promising, exciting thing, right? I mean, you're going to be pierced with a sword. You know, your spirit is going to feel all this pain and all of the problems. They were told that Jesus would bring the falling and rising of many and many will oppose him. Do we see that in Scripture? Of course we do over and over again, where many opposed him, and he had to bring people to a point of salvation through broken hearts and lives. A sword will pierce through their souls because of the opposition to his word. We often think of Mary, and we kind of think, well, you know, she was blessed uh, to carry this baby. We think of Joseph, that he was 
a good man who did good thing and, and he was raising this child. But do we think about this prophecy? Do we think about what it would have been like for them to go through the rest of their lives watching their son be opposed, criticized, in Mary's case, to watch him be killed. So these prophecies, these messages, these people who had come would have certainly caused them to be overwhelmed with amazement. I don't know about you, but when I read these things, I'm overcome sometimes with amazement. Like, wow, God did that for me? Do you, do you ever kind of like put yourself in that, in that spot where you say, you know, this is, this is great stuff to read, but do you ever slow down and say, wait a minute, that's Scripture. Those prophecies, those things that are being told about Jesus, it's for me. It's not just for those other people, it's for me. And when you do that, you examine yourself and you start to say, wait a minute, (laughs) I'm not worthy at all to have that happen, that God would send His Son for me. Why Why me? I'm the least of who God should come or send His Son for. Well, you can kind of tell from this where I'm going, right? That Mary would have been overtaken with sorrow. We're we're not specifically told that Mary is there and sees all of the things that had happened with Jesus, but we do know that she's at the cross and she watches her son hanging on that cross. She, she knows about the crown of thorns because she can see it. She, she can see the blood running down his face from his head where that crown of thorns had been pushed down into that through a rod that we read about. She can see the hands nailed and the feet nailed. She can see the blood. She's there when the spear pierces his side and the blood rushes out. You know what? She, since she was there, she may have been there when, when, when he came out and was carrying his cross and, and, and people were laughing at him and jeering him and, and criticizing him and complaining. She would have heard and seen all that, a fulfillment of what she had been told would happen. Again, it's, it's so easy for us to separate and forget and not, not tie these things together to necessarily understand all of what is happening here. But Mary would have seen and felt all of that. You who are parents understand what I mean when I wrote that, that you see and feel. When, you're, when your child is sick... You feel it, don't you? You don't just see them being sick, but you can feel it. When your child falls and hurts themselves, 
or, or, or gets injured somehow, you feel that pain. Can you imagine Mary watching Jesus go through all of this? And, and I know as a parent, and I know that you all who are parents understand this as well, if you could have, you'd have gone over there, you'd have cut that, that cross down, and you, you know, you, or you would have said, wait, 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 stop. Let me go on that cross instead. Let me die. I, I would rather you kill me than kill him. That's my son. But Mary couldn't do that. Because Jesus had come for this very moment when we worship and celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. We can never, ever just think of that without thinking of the cross. Because folks, without the cross, the birth means nothing. You say, well, what do you mean by that, Pastor Hank? I mean, it was a prophecy. It was fulfillment of what God had said was going to happen. Because if Jesus Christ had just come, had been a great guy, great prophet, had told all kinds of wonderful stories, yeah, we might be able to read those things and think, oh, yeah, that's pretty neat. That's, that's good stuff. But that would be all there would be to it. But Jesus Christ came with a mission, and that mission was to bring salvation to all who would believe in him and his finished work on that cross when he died on that cross and was buried there was more I I was going to share but because of time I'm not going to do that but when we think of the birth of Jesus Christ we have to think of the cross when we think of the cross we think of Jesus Christ being buried dead but God did not leave him in the grave God raised him back to life again he ascended into heaven and he's still sitting at the right hand of God the Father and I would like you to turn with me just just real briefly we're going to look at this Acts chapter 1 By this time, Jesus Christ had risen from the dead. He had seen by, been seen by hundreds of people over a period of 40 days. Uh, he had interacted with people. He had people you know, touch his hand and his side. Uh, he had witnessed, I believe, that, that Mary was one of those who probably had seen and interacted with him. In Acts chapter 1, verse 12, and that's... Uh, Sorry, I don't have a page number for you. If somebody has it, you can holler it out. But verse 12. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. And when they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying. Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon the zealot and Judas the son of James, All of these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus. They went to pray. You see, they recognized that Jesus Christ was somebody that they could pray to and through because he 
was the promised Messiah. He was God who came into this world and died on that cross for him. But I want you to see the rest of this. Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. Do you know that in 1 John 7, 5, it says that his brothers did not believe in him? When, when Jesus was alive, and elsewhere there's a, there's a place in Scripture where it says that they said, well, if you are who you say you are, then go out and do this stuff. That's my paraphrase. But they didn't believe in who Jesus was before. But what does this Scripture say? If they're going and praying, what does that indicate to us? They had come to a point where they believed and trusted that Jesus Christ was the promised Messiah who had come to be their Savior as well as yours and mine. God so loved the world that He sent His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Mary is overcome with thankfulness. Are you? Let me end with asking you a couple of quick questions. Are you, were you overwrought with fear before you recognized that, or when you recognized that you were a sinner? Were you overflowing with joy when you recognized that Jesus Christ is your Savior, your only way of spending eternity with God in heaven? Were you overwhelmed with amazement when you recognized that what God had done in sending His Son for you? Were you overtaken with sorrow when you see that what he had to go through for you? And are you overcome with thankfulness like Mary and her and his brothers would have been in coming to him and praying to a God who had sent his one and only son into this world to make a provision that they might spend eternity with him in heaven? We all have reactions and responses to God's Word. Today, you've heard the Word of God. Regardless of what I've said up here, what did the Scriptures tell you? We all have to respond when we see what God has done for us. God so loved you that he sent his one and only son into this world to die for you and for me. I'm unworthy, but I am grateful. I am thankful beyond words for the amazing grace that God showed. Lord God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this time where we remember the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And God, as we respond today, we are mindful that your word came to change us, to make us more like you. Help us, Lord, daily to endeavor to follow your word and to live it before others and to share it with a lost and hurting world. Lord, we love you. Help us to live our lives demonstrating that. We ask in the powerful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.